Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body and more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour uh, to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of those. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he will not much more clothe you, uh, O you of little faith. Therefore, be not anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what, that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the days is or sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this word in particular this morning, asking that you would open it to our hearts and minister to us by your Holy Spirit, that we would not leave this place the same way that we came, but that we would be shaped more according to your will and according to your purposes to live lives pleasing to you and glorifying to you and pointing to Jesus, that you would change us also as a church binding us together more and more deeply in your love and in your grace, that together we might be something of a demonstration plot of your kingdom. But we need your help, so we ask for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount for a while now until... Advent, and then we kind of went through the Advent season. We're back in the Sermon on the Mount, just finishing it up for a few weeks. But if you think about from the Beatitudes forward, Jesus has been calling us to a life of simplicity, humility, openness, forgiveness, generosity, and vulnerability. And that it comes out of a place of poverty, mourning, hunger for righteousness, and persecution. And it requires courage. Leading up to this text, Jesus has said, not only do you need to lead this corporate life of all these things, but you also need to lead a life, that, a hidden life, a life of hidden giving, generosity, a life of hidden prayer, a life of hidden fasting, that we should divest of our earthly resources and invest our resources in heavenly things, that we should replace greed and envy with love for God and trust in God. And when you take all this together, you begin to think, Jesus hasn't given us a blueprint for self-improvement. He has given us a blueprint for self-impoverishment. And you begin to feel 
the risk of all this that God is calling us to. You begin to think, you're tempted to think, before we sign on to this impossible life, Lord, I'd like the part of the plan that tells us how to get enough resources to trust God. If the Christian life is complete surrender to and complete dependence on Jesus, the first thing I would really like to be is secure enough to surrender. And I think it's an honest tension that's raised there. Because there's a problem with telling people that are hungry that food's not the answer. And there's a, a problem with telling people who can't pay their bills that money isn't the answer. Because these things seem urgent. Food and drink, money when the debt collector's calling, are urgent needs. And we long for safety and security. These are real issues. And Jesus isn't saying that they're not important. But what he's saying is that you will never be secure enough to surrender. But you can be surrendered enough to be secure. If you're <coughs> to be secure enough to surrender... You may miss the kingdom entirely. And what Jesus spends this next section saying is not how to be, like your heading might say, free from worry or free from anxiety. That's not what he's trying to do here. He's telling you how to be freed for God. How to be freed for God. And here's the first thing that we that Jesus begins with is. We need to be reoriented toward God's care, the fact that he is actively at work caring for us. And he gives us these three reorienting realities. And here's the first one. He says, your life is more than the pursuit of stuff. Your life is more than that. So much of the time we are told that the pursuit of the stuff means more. But actually, Jesus is saying to us, no, that means less. Your life is more than the pursuit of stuff. The pursuit of stuff is not more. We need uh, this radical reorientation because we have this illusion that we're safest on our own, that we're most reliable caring for ourselves. But the truth of the matter is, since creation, we have never been secure. There has never been a moment that you have been truly, uh, that you have truly felt safe. At the time of creation, we were naked and not afraid of fearing. I want you to imagine, imagine not being afraid of being truly known. Not being afraid of showing your weaknesses. Not being afraid just to, to divulge your faults. Not being afraid of being judged by your appearance. Not being afraid not being filled with dread about what if I fail. The moment in the garden that we declared our independence from God, we began the great cover-up. We put on fig leaves to try and hide our shame. And fig leaves didn't make us any more secure. Insecurity drove us to put them on and we're still hiding from God. We, we uphold, on the one hand, autonomy, self-sufficiency, independence, rugged individualism. And we put them on like armor, but the truth of the matter is they're just fig leaves. The first thing we need to know is that that life is more than this. And the next thing Jesus wants to know is that 
God, your Father, fully intends to care for you. And he gives the example of the birds of the air. And we think, well, I mean, birds, they, they scatter out. The wonderful thing is that they are open to God's care. They receive because they're open to it. And we think, well, I need to protect my own interests. And this is our, our first confusion. We think that no one is more interested in my success than I am. And it's not true. There's someone more concerned with your success than you are. There's someone who is more concerned that your family makes it than even you. And that's God. And his name is at stake. If you are called his, he's working for your success. If you will trust him. I want you to know this morning, God is serious about you. Here's the next thing that Jesus tells us. We can't make our own well-being. And he cites these two impulses. And we always seem to, to focus on one, but we don't focus on the other. He says, why do you worry? That's the first impulse that we have, is to pour extra mental energy into our well-being. But the other one, he asks us, you know, why do you look for and why do you toil after stuff? We, we hear people tell, say that the first one, you know, worry, anxiety is a sin. But if that's true, then work is a sin too. So Jesus isn't saying either of them, okay? <laughs> Neither of them are the point. The point is this, that when we work harder or work harder, not only are, can these things become bad, but they also don't achieve the end that we're after. And this is what we so often try to do with our lives, is we push hard, and then when it's not work, we continue to push even harder. And what we're doing is we're pushing harder in the wrong direction. And when we do it, we break stuff. We break relationships. We break ourselves. We break people that we love. And this is our second confusion. We think we will do better by increasing our effort in the wrong direction. And what we don't need is more effort. We need a different way of living. And that's what Christ calls us to. And to call us to it, the next thing he does is he tries to build up our trust by giving us examples. And so in verses 28 through 30, he says, you know, look at the birds, look at the flowers. They're examples of God's care. He uses nature to build our confidence, to build our trust in it. And then he says, those who don't know God are driven by fear and desire. But we who know God as Father can trust him. We know his care for us. And so then he gives this call in 33 that we entirely give ourselves to the purpose of God's care. Not just give ourselves to God's care, but give ourselves to the purpose of God's care. And there are two different things. And this is, this is what he says. He tells us in 33 how we should live. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his justice. And if you think back to all these things that he spelled out beforehand, we see that this justice, this care for others is crucial in this. And then all these things will be added to you by God. And so here's the first thing, is that all of this has a source. 
Because the kingdom of God is the kingship of God expressed. The kingdom of God is wherever Christ's reign is made evident and wherever we are conforming to the reign and the lordship of Jesus Christ. To know his provision means submitting to his reign. Think about in John's gospel how he talks about these prayer promises. We, we love them. We always say, oh yes, it says that you know if, if we need anything and we ask in Jesus' name, it will be given to us, but we forget what comes before it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We forget that there is an obedience and a commitment to the mission of God that his provision flows out of. So to know his, his provision is to be submitted to his reign. And then we have this hope. The safest place in the world is to be surrendered to Christ as you're receiving from him. Your faith for tomorrow is seeing what is, is generated by seeing what God has done for you today. And what happens more and more is you find yourself moving from a life of please, Lord, please, Lord, please, to a life of thank you. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Because as you, as you stop and you see what he's doing right now, you recognize that tomorrow can take care of itself because I know who's already there. I have a Lord who's already at tomorrow. He'll deal with that. But you begin to thank Him and you find you trust Him more. And then you're less concerned with being pleased and more concerned with pleasing Him. But it can't stop there. I want us to hear this because it's not evident. It used to be in the old King James where Jesus said, ye... But we can translate it into Southern, right? Y'all, seek y'all first the kingdom. This is not individual, this is corporate. He's talking to his people and he says, this is what y'all are meant to do. In other words, God <coughs> cares for you because he loves the world. God cares for you because he loves the world. Ain't just about you. You see, if I believe that I can I can provide for myself and secure myself and make my own way, what happens is I become enslaved to the world and it works me to death. And that's one way to live, and we've at some point each probably lived there. But then I can believe that, that God loves me and provides for me, what happens is I become enslaved to myself. And I just said, more, Lord, more. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? And we begin to pray like that. And either way, I'm either so chained to fearfulness or so chained to faithfulness that I will never be free enough to serve God. And it's like those Chinese handcuffs. You remember those? You're like a tube of paper and you stick your finger in each side. And the only way to get free is to stop pulling. As long as you pull, it gets tired. You can't get away from it. And we think, if only I could make myself secure enough, I could be more vulnerable. And the more secure I try to make myself, and the more stuff I accumulate, the less secure I feel. And before you know it, I've got an alarm system and a gate. 
But freedom comes from knowing God has so cared for me that I can care for you. The only way I can seek the kingdom of God and its justice is if God is so utterly for me and for you that we no longer need to be for ourselves. And this plural tells us that God's provision is part of his answer. That we are meant to be a people without fig leaves so that we can care for each other's needs. This, this whole impossible life of the Sermon on the Mount, if it's going to work, we need, there's something that we need, and even we together can't do it. We could do everything it spells out in Acts chapter 2 and pull all our resources and buy a big, make a big copy and share everything. And we could do all that and still it wouldn't work. We'd end up fighting over something or other. That's the problem with having stuff. <laughs> we need something so much more than that for anything we do to work. For the, for the whole Sermon on the Mount thing, that whole way of life that God is calling to, us to. It's impossible to do unless <coughs> God shows himself to be absolutely so for me that I can be for you. He is going to have to do some kind of a work that makes it possible for me to do his word. I mean, imagine if God could somehow demonstrate his love in such a way that I would completely forget myself in the presence of him and he would pour my life out. What could he do that could get it across to me that I'm that loved? Let me tell you, in Jesus Christ, we have discovered that God is for us. You see, before the care of God for you came the love of God for you. In love, God sent his son for you. And when you were alienated from God and from each other because of your sin, Jesus died in your place. And he says, you're loved and your, your issues are real. And he was so serious about you. He was serious all the way to the cross. And you were naked and hungry and thirsty and homeless and orphaned. And he gave his body to feed you and his blood to quench you and his righteousness to clothe you. His father to parent you and brothers and sisters to family you. And this is the only reality that can make the rest of this stuff work. Is if you're that loved. That you can seek the kingdom and the care of those around you. Because your safety and your security and your provision are already taken care of in Jesus Christ. The only way it can work is if you know that Jesus is your substance, your security, and your shelter. Then you'll not have enough to, only enough to survive. You'll have enough to share. Seeking the kingdom. The key to seeking the kingdom is the king who left his throne and paid the price on the cross to cleanse our sins, to free us from ourselves, to make us new. And he provides for a purpose that we can demonstrate the reality of his kingdom by the way that we live together. Father, we thank you so much for your love and for your care for us. But we struggle to trust you. 
We look around, we see these signs that you've given us, the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. And we say, yes, Lord, but what about? I pray, Father, that you would move us into the realm of saying more and more thank you and stepping forward. Not seeing the obstacles, but seeing the call. Not seeing the problems, but seeing your son. Change our hearts, Lord.